Hi everyone, welcome to uh, 21st Century Saints podcast and live stream series uh, for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and those who are affiliated or adjacent to or have an interest in the subject of Mormonism, the Restoration, all of those types of things, but with a specific focus on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and it's specifically focused on members of the church here in the United Kingdom and Alana around the world around the world um okay we are um going live tonight uh with no warning or notice whatsoever um so we're going to just have a little chat and most of you guys who would normally have had noticed to come in to come and join us live um I'm sure you can catch up later I'm, I'm sure you can catch up on on a rewind so for now um I just want to tell you briefly why we're here. We want to do a very, very short episode. This isn't going to go any longer than half an hour um, because we've got some things that we need to talk about following up from last night's episode and uh, also from things that have taken place in the church, um, in the world of Mormonism, in the, the world of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, we, we need to talk about it. Before we do, um, Alana, do you, you've we got some announcements and things going on that you want I to tell people sure about? I sure do, yep. So firstly, I just want to cover again, just to remind everyone that um, there is a Protect the Kids um, Require Clergy to Report Abuse um, rally in Utah at the state capitol. Um, I just I picked up from hearing other people talk about it, just to remind you that this isn't an Attack the Church event. This is to aim to allow them to change the laws on making everyone and clergies um, able to report abuse. Um, so that's happening on Friday, August the 19th, 6.30 Utah time. Uh, so we as 21st Century Saints, we are going to be holding a solidarity event uh, live live right yeah like yeah on the it's it's basically going to yeah our, our event is basically <clears throat> just linking to the main event so we're we're not taking away from that so it's all all yeah. it's going to do is take you to the main main event um, the main feed yeah so when when they when the march is happening you're going to be able to join that live um <clears throat> yeah. so yeah see that's jane's side of things i'm not clued up in all how this works <laughs> so obviously um this is Saturday early morning our time, so it's from 1am to 3am, so if you're like myself and you don't go to bed early, uh, please join us, uh, so we're looking forward to that, so that's um, Friday in Utah time, but earlier Saturday morning our time, and um, we would also just like to once again thank you to all our donors so far who have donated um, to us, um, every penny helps us to keep this podcast running and allow us to, to do what we need to do. Um, we do have the link available in the chat there, um, our donor box account, to only if you are able to. We are not shouting desperate to get you to link, uh, send money, sorry. Um, so just only if you're able to um, send us a, a little donation. Uh, we do appreciate you just being here. Um, that's even enough for us just to give us our support in that way if you're not able to financially. Um, just share us out, tell your friends about us. We would appreciate that get people to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. That would be amazing help um, out with all the money things. So again, thank you so to 
think I need to put my teeth back in, Jane. Thank you so much to everyone who's donated thus far. We really appreciate it. We definitely do. Um, it cracks me up how if there is a typo or a you know a verbal typo if you uh, when someone trips over words, Alana cannot move past that until she has <laughs> laughed her soul out of her mouth. It is brilliant, and uh, and I love that you're just the same whenever you do it. So yeah, good oh, good yeah. job. Thank you for that, my dear friend. Okay, to business. Um. If you guys were here last night, uh, you heard our amazing team member, Sarah, who was talking about her wealth of experience and how she really understands the whole safeguarding issue. And she's working with us as 21st Century Saints and the Brit Avengers to put together um, a package of uh, what we could call activism, which has a three-pronged approach. That first prong is sort of the one that we're focusing on at the moment um uh, and we're going to revisit what those are later in the show we'll just say we'll just remind you all of what we're actually doing but this has suddenly become although we've been working this for such a long time because we're working with individuals in the background too um obviously we've had to look at the fact that everybody's talking about this subject right now rightly so oh my goodness thank you so much now, what can't happen in two weeks' time is that people get bored of it and they move on to the next big subject because this isn't going anywhere. Um, so we want to, to have something that we can actually work on um, and we want to encourage and signpost our audience, anyone who's interested in things that you can do to help the church be a safer place for, uh, for children and for the vulnerable. Our aim in doing this, as, as Alana, as uh, Sarah were pointing out yesterday, as I point out, um, this is this is my faith group. Uh, we are offering to help the church. This is not an attack on the church. Um, you know, the the similar to to the the rally that's happening, we um we are asking for some specific things. And again, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but Okay, so we, we had this fantastic show last night and it has been so well received. Thank you. We read every single comment and we actually, we discuss every single comment because it is super important to hear what you guys are thinking. Um, it means a lot. When we are talking about this stuff, it's, we, I am super aware that the reason I'm doing all this started with Alana. It's because I love my friend who's a survivor. Um, but in addition to that, I know other survivors. I know other people who have still not spoken out yet and are in the process of preparing to do that and looking at how that's going to happen. I am doing this for you. Alana, why are you doing this? Couldn't you just move on? No, absolutely not. Um... Okay, actually, let, let me phrase this in a really specific way. Isn't it time for you to move on? I'll move on when the church move on and step up. Beautiful. Um, you know, as I've said over and over, you know, childhood sexual abuse or any form of sexual abuse, even with adults, you know, rape, etc., it changes a person's life. Um, so the church have so much more they need to change um 
not to say that putting all this in place is going to stop it from happening, because it could still happen, but at least they're doing all they can to try and prevent it and to deal with it correctly when it's reported. And so when the that's... church move on and move up and change things, I'll move on. I love it. Um, and I guess we're sort of thinking, you know, of specific friends who have been sort of told in the past week that they, they have to move on. They should be moving on. Um, how dare you? I was going how... to say, don't get me started on that. And you took the words right out of my mouth. I was like, how dare anyone tell anyone when is the time to move on from what you've been through and the trauma in your life? Don't ever, ever, ever tell anyone who's been through trauma in any shape or form, it's time to move on. And if that is how that person needs to process by posting for two years or more on their Facebook, good bloody job for them. If that's how they heal from this, why? who are we to tell them that that's not okay? There is a simple option on Facebook. If you do not want to see, you can either unfollow, defriend, or hide posts. Simple. You don't have to read it. If you if it doesn't interest you or you're fed up hearing it, shut it down. Don't don't watch it on your Facebook. It's a simple answer. I love it. Thank you so much for your honesty and vulnerability and, and sharing that. I, I am absolutely I stand with you. Um, so for the people in the chat, I, I am so heartened. Uh, you know, there's discussion about making the rally, people meeting up, people possibly sharing transport. Will you please take loads of photographs and know that we will be with you um, watching. We will be with you in spirit. Um, I am so excited that you guys are going to get to be part of this incredible activism. Now to the main part of what we are here to talk about. As we did our show last night, um, specifically about the subject of safeguarding, we alluded a lot and didn't go into any of the details because it's easily Googleable. Uh, but we were referencing a recent um Associated Press article. Now, I'm still not going to um, go into that. What I'm going to ask you to do, we'll put out some links for you to have a look at that article. Um, it's let, Let's just sort of briefly, Alana, you, you read that article, you watched the accompanying video from Associated Press. Do you, do you kind of want to tell us what it was that the, what, what was the big fuss about? Are you talking about the EP article? Yeah, the original EP article. So, yeah. you know, because there was a big fuss, that I, rightly so. Yeah, so it's to do with a case in is it Arizona. I'm trying to can remember the, the details of abuse when the offender um, confessed to a bishop um, that he had abused his daughter. Um, again, this was not reported the police in any shape or form. Um, the advice given to that bishop from the helpline was not to report it. Um, that abuse continued and also continued on to, I believe, a second child within that home. Um, so again, the church, in my opinion, did not deal with that accurately. Had they stopped it in its tracks from day one, and done the right thing by reporting it to the authorities, that second child would not have been harmed. It's bad enough that there was a first child who was harmed, and I'm so sorry to that child for what they've been through and the harm and the effect that will have on the rest of their life. But for them to allow that to then continue onto a second child, shame on them. 
Okay, so um, the the actual video and article were focused on on sort of two things. Uh, first was telling the story of this um, this family, these children who had been uh, they, their lives had have been absolutely torn apart because their father was abusing them. Um, their mother stop it their mother's also sort of serving jail time the second part of the article focused on the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints reporting procedures for um bishops and state presidents and what happens and it was very critical of the church systems um now the important thing in this um i think that becomes relevant is the fact that uh, this actually in in my opinion and do please, you know, you disagree if, if you guys feel like. I'd love to know if you have a different take. Um, it wasn't sensationalized, which was what made it super interesting to me. This was um the the person who was the reporter and was I, I mean, we can't even say breaking the story because we've all in, in the world of Mormonism, we've all known about this this particular case, along with many, many other other cases. Um I mean, it's, it's over two years now. Um, so this is not news. And lots of the implications of the case have been discussed. But what's made it important is that it's been picked up by an incredibly reputable reporter who did absolutely, uh, you know, life-changing, system-changing work in breaking the story about the Catholic Church um, child abuse scandal. Um, so much came of what he did in his work um, that that we saw a movie being made about it um, and the Catholic Church are, you know, certainly my experience of what I'm seeing, although the Catholic Church is far from perfect, they seem to have really learned a lot of lessons. They have specific safeguarding officers when you walk into a building. The first thing that you see is a safeguarding poster. Um, I as a non-Catholic who occasionally joins the, the Catholic Church for worship, um, I'm hearing things from members like, you know, we we I wish we could do more. I wish there was something more that we can do. Um, you know, and what they are really seem to be doing is focusing on systemic change, which I appreciate very much. Like I say, Alana can't let a, let a, a word slip go. Can't let one... <laughs> I love you. I even find the word Googleable funny. Googleable? Did Googleable. I make that up? Is that yeah. a new word? Okay. Well, yeah. you heard it here first, folks. Um, <laughs> it's added to Webster's Dictionary. I know we're talking about Christmas. serious topics. So if you see me smiling, it's because there's a word slip or something. I'm not Can laughing I, at the situation. Well, last night in the middle of this serious conversation, <laughs> Alana went into absolute fits of laughter. And we didn't really talk about it. You just mentioned it in the in the, the chat. You know, we do we Alana's a survivor of abuse and we talk about really, really heavy stuff, but also we get to laugh and we get yeah. to, you know, this is led by Alana. Um, we, what we wouldn't do is interrupt Alana's story or someone's sharing their vulnerability inappropriately. But if you're laughing, we can laugh. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Alana was attacked by a moth last night and Alana has... No, I think I mean, it was LC that said, are you okay, Alana? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry. I, I, I think my camera glitched. What? What? 
what was that? I was like, you? Ah! <laughs> I'm so phobic of moths, and they just seem to be everywhere. Just now, just the little teeny tiny ones, not too bad with them, but they just seem to be everywhere in my house right now. It's so if Alana was attacked by Satan himself, she would be calmer <laughs> than if a moth came came near her her person. So right, anyway, yeah. Okay, right back, back to back to our priorities. So. Like I say, this is a really reputable journalist. Um, it wasn't sensationalized. I thought it was exceptionally well done. And, you know, we, we've been able to see that this isn't something that he's just sort of picked up and quickly reported on. Yeah. This has been very well researched. This has been done with uh, the, the victims in this case, the survivors in this case, um, have been at the heart of the work that he's done and pushing for um, systemic change is at the heart of it so thank you to to you for the the work that you did there now afterwards the church uh did release a statement which actually i'm just going to pass quickly over you know it's out there on newsroom if you want to go and have a look and it was just sort of um you know what i'm not even going to mention it because what happens is while we're doing the show last night the the mormon newsroom church newsroom had re have released a further statement which i think is quite unusual they don't do that terribly often they'll often refer you back to the first statement um they they are okay let me just tell you what happened so we we were watching mormonism live and our our wonderful queen maven was on and we we were like oh my goodness the church has just released this this other statement and we were sending out as as other people were to to maven and the mormonism live team um i know that suddenly everyone took to the internet so you know all of the podcasters were being contacted by the community to say look this is something big the church is replying um and it really, it caused us all, I think, to have to stop in our tracks and talk about this. Let me tell you um, how I responded before we take a proper look at it. I was so delighted. And I think I actually said that to Lana and Sarah Elizabeth as we were chatting last night. I'm like, you know, this, this actually, I think this looks pretty good. Um. Today, I'm, I'm reading my friends, some of my, my active friends' posts on Facebook who are framing this response in this type of way. And this is what's prompted us to urgently speak about the response. Um, so Sarah Elizabeth is, is, in, is hanging around in the chat. She can't be with us tonight. But we are, we're speaking on behalf of Sarah Elizabeth too. Okay. I was so relieved, but there is a huge overwhelming response from church members who had that same relief because we want to see the church that we love. We want to see them doing something. We want to know that they care. We want to know that things are improving and being better. And this huge part of all of us that whenever somebody reports abuse, we want to say, oh, that can't be true no, not that person, you know, this is absolutely awful and it becomes too much for us to be able to sit in. When it's then proven that, or when there's an attempt, excuse me, I've, I've mis, misspoke, I don't like how I said that, when there's been an attempt to show 
that the the original article doesn't have any basis in real fact and is perhaps sensationalized or it's not like that. I, I think we tend to want to do that as a society. Okay, then I can go back to not having to worry about this thing. The church has reassured me. Um, the problem is when you take a real look at it, and Alana could spot this straight away. Alana is, you know, because you've survived it, you're, you're, this is personal to you. I still really want the church to come and save the day. Uh, actually, I'm asking for the church to to come and fix it. You you have the you're the people who have the power to fix this. It's your system. It's your procedure. So I, I'm hoping that similarly to whenever Sam Young was asking for change, I'm hoping that that he's going to say something. I'm hoping that he's going to fix this. Uh, the, or sorry, the church is going to fix this and take those recommendations. Um, I still have hope that that. Peter Bleakley will somehow not be excommunicated anymore, that things will improve. Okay, let's go take a look at this um, at this article. And I should be able to show this on the screen. Um, can you just confirm, Milana, is that showing on the screen for you okay? Can, can you see that? I can. Yes? I can, I can see, see it. it. Okay. Um, basically, the church response in this, um, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily going to help me to share the screen. I'm going to, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I'm getting feedback when you're sharing it as well. Yeah, I, I actually, I've got I think it here I, in front of me on my phone. Yeah, so what to do is if, if you want to, to have a look at it, we'll link to it in the article. Um, Alana, do you, do you maybe want to? want to take us through the first section of it yep so it says um church provides further details about the arizona abuse case church outlines its feelings on abuse and how a recent associated press story got it wrong okay um, do you want to keep going yep for generations leaders of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints have spoken in the strongest of terms about the evils of abuse and the need to care for those who are victims or survivors of abuse. From the thundering rebuke of former President Gordon B. Hinckley to the recent words of healing offered by Elder Patrick Kieran of the Presidency of the Seventy, our feelings are clear. We echo those sentiments and teachings today. Our hearts are broken as we learn of any abuse. It cannot be tolerated. It cannot be excused. The Saviour Jesus Christ wants us all to do better and be better. Sorry, I know I'm laughing again, but no, just reading it again. It's... Because your response is really, really important. And actually, that's what you did last night. You, you were laughing at that sentence. Could you read the following sentence? It is important to us that our members and friends understand how deeply we feel about this subject. It is also important that they have accurate information about how we approach this matter. Church leaders and members are instructed in the church's general handbook that their responsibilities related to abuse are as follows. Okay, could you maybe just stop there and we'll go into the, the technical part in a second. Um, do, do you want to share some thoughts on that first part off the top of your head? So the first part that kind of stands out to me is 
the oh, I've lost it. It's the right when it's gone. Um, just the way it's talking about, you know, that for generations they've spoke out about the evils of abuse and they need to care for those. There's one thing speaking out about it than acting on it. You know, it's all right to speak those words and to put them into books and manuals for leaders. But if you're not acting on that appropriately, then they're just words. So it's all right to say that, you know, you're just speaking about it. Um, I guess... I guess I laughed at the bit where it says, you know, it cannot be tolerated, it cannot be excused. The Saviour Jesus Christ wants us all to do better and be better. So why aren't you? Mm. You know, I, I find it hard to to have words that have been written about being better and doing better when you're not heeding that advice as a worldwide church in regards to safeguarding. You know, why is it not at the top of your list of changes to be made within the church? Um, I, I think this is important framing because it's later going to go on to sort of say, look, things in this AP article, it's not the way it looked. This was that, you know, this this isn't quite correct. Um, and they say in, in the previous statement, they say it in no uncertain terms. They're going to say it again here. But I think what's important for me as an ally of abusers, as a supporter of abusers, me. I am so sorry, my friends. Sorry, again. Guys, we had no sleep. <laughs> we are working so hard on this stuff. As an ally of um, survivors of people who have been victimized by abusers, um, please ex excuse me. As someone who's trying to be an ally, everything in that first sentence, in that first paragraph, is stuff that you don't say. So, uh, Alana when you have spoken with me about your past experiences when you have when you speak to me about any pain or any triggering that you maybe feel that revisits that experience or distress or solidarity for other victims while i have not experienced what you have experienced and i can feel compassion for you and i will attempt to show my support verbally what you know physically hand holding you know all of these types of things that we think about how will my words affect this person um is it is it right to to you know hold alana's hand is physical touch perhaps going to be distressing to you in that moment um all of these types of things you, you're super super aware of what i do not have the right to do is to sit and tell you how upset i am and how distressed i am about the sub uh, you know i am so distressed that you have the, the the abuse happens i am so upset and and i am it, making it about me because it isn't about me it's about these people who had the most horrific experience that they possibly could have it, i i love that you are Oh, you I mean something needs to be said there about your compassion absolutely but what happened in that first part is you made it all about you and your outrage and yeah bring where, Jesus where was mention it. of the, 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 the girls who were abused where was the sorry that this happened to them right right so yeah making it about you uh so do you want to continue on let's talk about then what they say next the uh the the church so, yeah. responsibilities yeah this they are as follows one 
assure that child sexual abuse is stopped. Two, help victims receive care, including from professional counsellors. Three, comply with whatever reporting is required by law. Okay, do you want to make a comment or? Yeah, well, I just, I think it's the third one that just stands out to me. Um, I think RM, RM, RMF, RFM and that talked about this last night as well. And it's a true point. Comply with whatever reporting is required by law. So if the law requires that you don't report, you've left that wide open. And if the law is that you don't need to report, then basically you're telling people you don't need to report. And in the the case, and you know what, I'm going to put a pin in that because I think being compliant with the law is going to become relevant to their rebuttal later on. Yeah. Um I, I think for me, what I'm what I'm seeing there, the the, the this is the stuff that makes me feel initially super relieved. That's what I want to hear. You're going to assure the child abuse is stopped. You're going to help victims receive care. Okay, that's awesome. Except for my concern is the reason why we did last night's you know, podcast, the reason why we're doing this whole safeguarding thing is because the church hasn't, you know... <laughs> ensured that child sexual abuse is stopped and hasn't always helped victims receive care, we, including from professional counsellors. We have massive failings in this area and we are looking at those failings. Now, I would love to, as Sarah's saying last night, I am sure that there are people who have had incredibly supportive experiences the problem is, if you go to, I, I don't know, Sam Young's Protect the Children page has stories in the thousands of these failings. We've been podcasting for less than, what, six months when we were being contacted mm -hmm. by people who have experienced um, failings in this system. And by the way, we're not just talking about someone being insensitive we're talking about massive, massive failings that are of the level that we're speaking about in Associated Press. Um, that big. Mormon stories. Um, how many and stories in the Mormon Stories podcast have been mentioned? How many? You know, they, they are just constantly people who have survived abuse in the church and have made attempts to reach out and have their voices heard and actually this is part of the problem all I hear in this is I hear the church's voice they mention the saviour's voice in, in a sentence I get to the church's voice and some leader's voice and that's it I'm not hearing the voice of all of them telling you the opposite that, that are telling you there's a you know awful awful feelings in the system um, so, yeah, we're going to come back to the compliance of uh, whatever is reported by law just shortly. Um, Sorry, Daisy okay. just arrived home there, so <laughs> That's I didn't hear much okay. of what you said. But. As you all know, we have um, families and we, we we are literally cramming this in at the last minute um, because we really needed to talk about it. And, yes, yeah, so we've got dogs running around, neighbours' dogs barking, uh, kids coming in. Um, we, so we are, we're making this super quick. Um, yeah. As, as quick as we can. 
Oh. I was trying to put it in my hair, but it didn't Golden moments. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, the voices and the feelings are not really being addressed. Now, to the meat of the article, um, here's what's super important. Alana, do you want to do you want to read that next part? Since the church realised its first statement about the Associated Press story, many have wondered about what was incorrect or mischaracterised in their reporting. The information and details below are provided to help media members and others understand how the church approaches the topic of child abuse, particularly as it relates to this specific case. And then it asked the question, so what did the Associated Press story get wrong? Which is exactly what we've been wondering from the first statement from the church where they said it's been mischaracterised. Okay, so what, what's it mischaracterising? So the AP story has significant flaws in its facts and timeline, which lead to erroneous conclusions. We are puzzled as to why or how a media source as respected as the Associated Press would make such I don't know how to say that. Apologies. Arigious? Arigious? Oh, this is know. John DeLynn's favourite word. Ah! This is Okay, people, 21st century saints drinking game now being announced. For any podcast you are listening to, you take a drink, do a push-up, or, I don't know, read a chapter of the Book of Mormon. Every time we hear the words egregious, um, yeah, we love egregious. you, John DeLynn. And here's me stumbling about it, not a clue how to say it. Um, okay. Errors in, re in reporting and editing. So they are puzzled to that. And, okay, again, you're making it about you. Um, there, there's a time and a place for, for this. Is it possible that even, let's say that what you're going to say next is true and this wasn't quite accurate. Let's say, could you just take it on the chin and just, you know, just address the issues and not how you're feeling about it? Okay. But of course they can't because it's it's carrying the name of the church, isn't it? Okay. It's making them look bad, so of course they can't. Sorry. Do you want to go to the next one? Yeah, sorry, I was just unlocking the iPad for Daisy. Um where did we get to? Each of the facts below is contained in public filings in the pending case and is taken from the sworn testimony of Liza Adams, the mother of the victims. The Associated Press was directed to those filings prior to the publication of their first story, but they chose not to include any of them. Those filings accessible to and familiar to the Associated Press are the source of the following facts. In late, oh, did you want to stop there? No, please go. In late 2011, Paul Adams made a limited confession to his bishop about a single past instant of abuse of one child. The bishop then called the helpline. Oh, where he I'm was. I'm going to need to just stop right there. Just, just, um, you know, whatever we say next, I think this is, if you, if you read or see, or, you know, the statement no further than that, or if you watch this podcast no further than, you know, this, this next part, this, this is the thing. Alana, on that, that first, that first statement there, do you, do you want to comment on that? About the single past instant of abuse. Yeah. Um, was it just a single past incident? You know, from what I believe, and obviously I've not recently reread the whole story, but I believe this abuse carried on for years, right? It would later go on, yeah, and that's sort of what they're saying about the timeline. Um, 
the difficulty that I have here and the reason why I find it so offensive, and I'm, I'm so sorry, squeaky dog toys now. <laughs> oh, the reason why I find this so offensive is that the church on point three about compliance with laws, the bishop at that time when that was disclosed and apparently limited confession, if that was disclosed in any way, even alluding to that alerted a bishop's suspicion that, or any leader's suspicion that that may have been happening in a home, if he had reported immediately his concerns to the appropriate authorities, could this have been stopped? To be perfectly honest, triggering an investigation at that time while we can rewind history and and know for sure, but that is their job. The likelihood they are set up to stop abuse and prevent further abuse. If that had have happened, it may be it is the probability is that this would never have continued to happen, and Absolutely. there would have been no need for the rest of the bloody timeline. So whatever you're going to say next, you could have reported. And you have the audacity to justify not reporting because somehow, yeah, but he he didn't quite make it super clear. And, you know, it, it had just been that one time. Oh, one, go like someone straight, says, one instant is too many. Straight to hell. Go straight to hell. Amen, um, sister. And and really that that is that is my main my main issue with this. But yeah, let's let's do a fly through the rest of it okay. um, if that's okay. So the bishop then called the helpline where he was advised about how to fully comply with Arizona's reporting laws. In compliance with that council from that time forward, the bishop repeatedly tried to intervene and encourage reporting, including by. So, but but on, on other he people. Did. Yeah, he, he did not. So he repeatedly tries to intervene, but at no point does that intervention involve calling a professional whose job it is to help. Yep. Please continue. Yep. So <clears throat> encouraged reporting, including by counselling Paul Adams, who is the abuser, right, to repent and seek professional help. Because it's, yeah, I'm, I don't even know if I want to comment on that. Asking Paul Adams to report... He refused and also refused to give permission to the bishop to make the report. Encouraging Paul Adams' wife, Liza, to report, sorry if I'm saying that name wrong, she refused and later served time in prison for her role. Encouraging Paul Adams to move out of the home, which he did temporarily, temporarily, urging Liza to seek professional counselling for Paul and their children, which would trigger a mandatory report. They refused. Not, not for her, as someone who is clearly, um, you know, part of. Uh, I don't think Stockholm syndrome is the right word, but we know how women who are in cases like this don't report. Mothers don't. They, they often don't report because they are part of the system of victimisation too. And absolutely right that she should be spending time in jail. She, you know, that there was a, a serious serious failing to keep her child safe um, which she has to account for however we do have to acknowledge that she's a victim in this too yep um, absolutely when we see the the footage of her in in the ap article it, it, i think it, it sort of speaks for itself she's she's a shell 
she is yeah. manipulated and people who do this are manipulative so you know of course someone's turning up to a bishop's office and you know the word repentance is being kicked around constantly and he can be so so sorry oh my goodness how naive do we have to get before we see yeah. that we are not trained and you know we the bishop's office is not the place to be dealing. As soon as the, the suspicion is raised, you have to kick that to the professionals and you have to do it immediately. Yeah, not just tell them to repent and seek professional help. That's not enough. Anyway. Um, in 2013's, 13's, in 2013, Adams was excommunicated for his behaviour and lost his membership in the church. Again, um, I, and I'm so sorry I'm jumping in when I wanted right. to do a, a fly through, but um, the amount of things that you can be excommunicated for when this suspicion has been raised two years later, um, giving him time to repent, I guess. The, the amount of things that people have been excommunicated for in a heartbeat um, took to 2003. But you know what? Yeah, you, you did it. So then you excommunicated him. So that, yeah, child abusers should be excommunicated. They should be excommunicated straight away, an abuser, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, prior to and after his limited confession, Paul rarely attended church or talked to leaders. They really want to emphasise that limited confession. And again, I am... I want to emphasise that limited confession is sufficient to trigger a safeguarding report. Um, you know, we we were speaking with the rest of the Brit Avengers earlier on in the week. Um, you know, um, a few of us have backgrounds in, you know, teaching and childcare. It literally is one word from a child. It is it's one suspicion one one tiny thing and immediately those policies and procedures are triggered you you go away from the situation you make your reports you you are then part of you, you you're a witness you can be called to testify so that then the people who have been harmed um when they are first going to when this investigation is first going to happen to you know to find out from the actual victims what has happened those first interviews are handled professionally and with care to make sure that kids and families don't have to keep repeating their trauma that first interview is so crucially important and um, both for the child and for the case that's going to be made against the abuser yeah now i'm going to say this before i make this i'm not saying this is what they're saying but this is just what i'm taking from this mm -hmm. you know I feel like they're trying to defend themselves about the fact that he rarely attended church. So, you know, does that mean that you can't excommunicate him? Absolutely not. Mm. You know, regardless of his church attendance, you can still go ahead with a disciplinary. I yeah. wasn't attending church when I get a knock at my door to go to a disciplinary to be excommunicated. So I kind of feel like they're trying to, again, make it like, well, he rarely attended church, so we couldn't really have those conversations, blah, blah, blah. Bill, Bill. So I feel this next part that bringing this into the timeline, if anything, it's 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 almost making it worse for me. Um, do you want to read this next part? Yeah, worse for me. There we go, making it about me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it wasn't until 2017, nearly four years later, that church leaders learned from media reports the extent of the abuse that the abuse had continued and that it involved a second victim born after Paul's excommunication. 
a child who may never have had to have been a victim if you exactly. had called in that first instance. Yeah, we just so, talked about that in the car there when we were out. I just said, you know, they could have stopped this from progressing. It might not have changed the outcome for the first child, but if they had done their job correctly, then that second child could have been stopped from further harm. So it says the AP story ignores this timeline and sequence of events and implies that all these facts were known by a bishop as early as 2011, a clearly erroneous conclusion. Um, I don't think I concluded that from the AP investigation. Again, it was the fact that this wasn't being reported. Now, it then goes on to talk about the other important part of the um of the the AP article. So, Alana, could we possibly just fly through this last mm -hmm. part? The suggestion that the helpline is used to cover up abuse is completely false. The church's abuse helpline has everything to do with protecting children and has nothing to do with cover-up. You're right. It has been in existence for more than a quarter of a century. Its purpose is to, one, comply with the various laws of child abuse reporting in all 50 states and the provinces of Canada ministering to the needs of the victims and their families where we can, while reporting abuse consistent with the law. Two, encourage victims, family members and perpetrators to seek professional counselling and to report abuse to the authorities themselves. Three, directly report the abuse to authorities regardless of legal exemptions from reporting requirements. When it is known that a child is in imminent danger, the helpline routinely reports cases of child abuse to the authorities. Outside experts who are aware of the helpline have regularly praised it. Okay, um, the outside experts. Um, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, could you please um, follow up by telling us who are the outside experts who are praising it? I would love to hear um, more about that. Um, if, if that is the case, um, or if any of our audience know what's being referred to there, then please let us know and we will shout it from the rooftops because when you're getting something right, we want to talk about that. Now, the aims, those those three aims. Um, the part that really annoys me is it says when it is known that a child is in imminent danger, wasn't that one confession from that man proven that a child was in imminent danger? Because anybody who has common sense knows that abuse a child is not usually one isolated instant. Very, very seldom that happens. So that child was in imminent danger, so why did they not do anything about it? And uh, again, it's um, having to... This is, this is where our Queen Sarah is incredible and why... Oh, please, if, you know, to, I just really want to drive this point home and put a super fine point on it. Bishops do not... It's not your job. It's not any um, safeguarding person's job to decide if there is abuse. What your job is, is if anything raises a suspicion that, that sort of raises the question, could this be abuse? Is there the possibility of abuse? If it slightly crosses your radar, you immediately immediately follow the safeguarding procedures. Bishops don't have to know if it's actual 
abuse because then then they're in the position of you know similarly with teachers um if you think it may possibly be happening your job is not to investigate you are not a professional you're not trained the the conversations that you're going to have with potential perpetrators people who are in the the victim system or actual direct victims it is not your job because you cannot you are not either best place to do it or trained to do it there are people who do that now it may be and often is when someone like a teacher um you know were, were to report a case that actually it, they you know it's fine they, there are no grounds and that's that's wonderful nothing distressing has happened but when it's reported the people who are in a position to make those assessments get to do it. Um, so yeah, directly reporting um, to the authorities when there is abuse, it's putting a hell of a lot on a bishop and a state president to, we're going to call this abuse. Now, I don't actually think that that's what is being asked of bishops. I don't. I, I think that, you know, <clears throat> uh, to a, a huge extent, the aims of the helpline here seem to be really good. We want to make sure you comply with the laws. We want to make sure victims and families and, and everybody's getting the right support. We want to make sure that reporting happens. That sounds brilliant. But again, unfortunately, because of the way the church is made up, it becomes super legalistic and it becomes about, okay, um, it... <laughs> you know what, I'm actually not going to go further with that because I think we've made the point at the end of the day, the system is failing. And and I'm offended by the fact that the AP article uses the example of one case. Uh, you know, that that that's great. You, you use this case in order to build the bigger point that we've got concerns about how church reporting is happening. And so specifically, the, the hotline is being called out because that's that's the that's the procedure the problem that i have is now what the church is doing is and and also what what members are doing is saying well you know this this is one case and in this one case yeah you know all of this happened but it wasn't really like that the timeline's not quite accurate and so it, it you know this is that the helpline actually works because you know this is what unfortunately it's not about one case it's about the thousands thousands and thousands of cases that are still ongoing in life and those who haven't come forward who are all saying this system is not working this system is failing the victims so you know th these aims are great and it's, it's great to see them in writing but um you know point two it's not that helpline's job to interact with you know actual abuse victims that's for the bishops. So you're encouraging then bishops to have conversations to just encourage someone to, I, I mean, it, it's very, very problematic to the point of you become actually really quite dangerous. Okay, um, Alana, do you want to keep going? Yep. So it says, even when a report is not required or is even prohibited by law because the confession is owned by the confessor, the helpline encourages leaders to pursue ways to ensure these three goals are met. Those who serve on the helpline are parents and grandparents themselves and include former government child abuse investigators and child abuse prosecutors. Some are even themselves survivors of abuse. 
the notion that there would be any incentive on their part to cover up child abuse is absurd. Incentive? What the hell is that supposed to mean? I don't think that there was ever any suggestion that there would be an incentive to to cover Certainly up never thought abuse. of it that way. Um, now, if we're talking about the church system, um, then, yeah, we can certainly be talking about uh, financial compensatory claims and things like that. So, you know, if, if we're talking about the church procedures, yeah, but to suggest any individuals are, you know, on the helpline that that's what they're aiming to do and that somehow that's incentivized. Um, people who are serving in those helplines... I just feel that's super un unfair to bring them into it and sort of throw them under the bus. Um, the, so what you're saying, okay, let's let's just look at that then. Hi, Daisy. Some, some of them, some of them are trained. Some of them have experience, so but they're not all trained. Um, some of them have experienced abuse. But see, that's that, this got is to be this is the thing. Just because just because you've experienced abuse doesn't make you an oh, expert. No, you're not. I've experienced abuse. I would never try to counsel anyone on how to deal with abuse. So, so what I would do talk you about do? my. I would talk about my experience, and I would say these are possibly things that have helped me. If someone from my own experience, first... but I would never counsel anyone. Well, yeah, but that's suggesting that the helpline some kind of counselling service, which, and I know it kind of sounded a little bit like it might be, but that's not what the helpline actually... Now, I'm not going to suggest that there is no counselling that happens, but it's certainly not a, a service that, that's, you know, that that's, that's what its you know immediate purpose is. If someone, Alana, as a survivor of abuse, if someone discloses abuse to you what do you do well i would um, i can't get my words out now like i would say to them about well would you report it i wouldn't try and yeah and if they refuse to report it if it was a child you mean yeah 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 i would report it yeah because because that's what you do now do you do you then no, that okay. So knowing Alana, Alana would not do the next part. But the next part is that that Jane would be recommending Alana does is then. Oh my goodness, go and seek self care because that has got to be incredibly traumatic. And um, you you know, just stressing that you're not trained in abuse. You know, like some people are former child abuse investigators. I think so you've got well, a background. Like, I, I just find this weird. I don't know, like, I, th I find even them talking about their parents and grandparents themselves, is that them trying to touch people's hearts to think, oh, well, you know, yes. they wouldn't want abuse to happen because their parents, their grandparents, you know, it's like, what is the purpose of all that? Like, really? I mean, <laughs> by that token, everybody in the church is, oh, I... I, I find it offensive, actually, and, yeah. and unnecessary. Um, okay, uh, do you want right. to... So we're on to the, the conclusion? conclusion now. We strive to follow the teachings of Jesus, Jesus Christ, who spoke powerfully and repeatedly about the precious value of children and condemned those that would mistreat them. These are the ideals that characterise our understanding and approach to the issue of child abuse. What happened to the Adams children in Arizona at the hands of their parents is sickening, heartbreaking and inexcusable. And you could have stopped it. You know, the that sentence alone would have been perfectly sufficient. See, if, if the church response was just that sentence. Yeah. 
And to say you know, I would sorry love it. this happened to you. Yeah, I would love it to be followed by, here's what we, we are going to look at our procedures now. We're going to look and see what, what else we can do. You kind of alluded to that at the start, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, always looking to do better or be better, that kind of rhetoric. Um, that's what I would like to hear. What happened is sickening um, and inexcusable. Stop talking about your heartbreaking. Your heartbreaking doesn't bloody matter, I think. It is nothing to do with your heart. So the next bit goes on now. For This is the justification for why this response. So this is them now justifying why this big article of response. Um, so the church has issued a strong response because this is a topic where there can be no mincing of words no hint of apathy and no tolerance for any suggestion that we are neglectful, this bit really boiled my piss, we are neglectful or not doing enough on the issue of child abuse. No tolerance for any suggestion that we are neglectful or not doing enough on the issue of child abuse. Keep, keep reading and then I'll... It is a matter that strikes at our hearts and is so deeply offensive to everything that we value. We, again, we, it's all about us, not about the abuse that's happening to people. We will not stand by while others mischaracterise or completely misrepresent the church's long-term efforts and commitment. Nor will we tolerate the Associated Press or any other media to make such gross errors on the details of such a tragic and horrific incident as what occurred in Arizona. We are constantly striving to be better and do more and we invite others to join us in such efforts. So here we are. Okay, the the rest of it is just a quote from yeah, Gordon quotes, B. Hinckley. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're we're gonna we're just not gonna waste our time there, but uh, because we know it's all public record. Um, and actually, thank you, uh, apostles, who've given us some great words to help us know that um, by following your counsel, we can protect the children, and we will be sharing. Elder Oaks's quotes around that that share that Sarah shared last night with us. We'll be putting them. I think they're all over the internet today, which is so heartening to see. Um, but but we're going to be sharing that on our social media pages. We are authorized to be their voices when they can't speak. Um I want to you're constantly striving to be better and do more. Tell me how. We will you honestly please. Tell me how I would love to know. Um, we we are we are here to join you in your efforts. You, you've invited others yep. to join us in your efforts. We we are showing up, okay, and we're telling you, okay, this isn't helping. Um, there are other things that you can do that would be more helpful. Um, we, we're highlighting things that are really problematic. Um, so yeah, we we're showing up. People are showing up en masse to ask questions about this. Now, the idea that asking questions about the failings of a system is in somehow like a kick in the balls to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh my goodness, get your prideful head out of your ass because this is not about your feelings. How dare you make it again and again about you? Um, I don't think anybody's suggesting, you know, I, I'm actually, I feel so lost for words at this part because it, because you make it so strongly about you that, yep. that my, 
what's really, really upset me is if if this was this is so offensive to the church that you you use stronger language than I've ever seen the church use about on uh, on any topic. This is this is so like they say they're not mincing their words. But you know what you didn't do when you were first made aware of those uh those when the story broke in the media those years ago. You did not stand up and speak out then. You did not use those words to condemn what happened in that family. You didn't use those words to to condemn what happened when Sam Young and the rest of the Protect the Children movement walked to, to the church headquarters and handed you the stories of all of those people who had been failed and who and some who died uh, you know, because of the abuses that they had experienced at the hands of, of leadership and other members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh my goodness, the failings, the repeated failings, and you are more offended by the suggestion that it's that you've somehow failed than about what the actual issue is that we're this is what happens again and again when people speak up when someone in a ward says I was abused so often the rest of the ward kind of knows about it if they don't directly know about it, that there's there's definitely the warning symptoms. Often leaders know about it, but often this isn't news to people. And what we've seen happen again and again is that these people are ostracized and for having the audacity to speak up, they are practically rejected from their community, if not, you know, just expelled. We don't want to hear it. And what you're doing, church, is you are silencing victims again. If someone's saying, I called the helpline and it didn't help. We we have we have people who are telling you what their experiences are of the helpline and it's not helped. It's a helpline and it's not helped. I think we can conclude from that is maybe there are things that we need to do better, right? Yeah. Again, it's a helpline for bishops. <laughs> And it's, it's a helpline for bishops. Not for the victims. Yeah. Um, I know this was a total <clears throat> stream of consciousness rant. And um I, I think we we were we were talking about, about this subject yesterday. The subject came up and the relief of church members that, oh my goodness, yeah, the, the timeline oh, this is actually putting their facts right. And the, the suggestion that somehow this, this AP article is, is almost sort of tabloid level journalism, just seeking to do a cheap expose. Oh my goodness, that is not what this is. There are systemic problems. And I hate having to say this about a, a faith organization that I am a member of and which I love and which I know can do better. You you say it yourself in, in these, these statements about doing better. We're calling on you to do better. That isn't an unreasonable request. People, we all need to do better. We all do. When abuse happens, it happens mostly very, very close to home. That's why families don't report. That's why in our faith community, which is a sort of extension of a family unit, um, in a lot of ways, you know, we call it our ward family. That's why people don't report because 
a huge price has to be paid. And we've got to witness that over and over again. Um, We've gone so much longer than we had intended to. We wanted to just sort of come in quickly. It, it, it is us. But, you know, this is this is what we are talking about constantly and why we put so much of our time and resources into building this package of um, suggestions. Our three-pronged approach is this. We are uh, producing a letter. Um, which you can use as a template if you like, but we would encourage you to write your own letter. Write to your bishop and state president, anyone in a leader position, hey, write to them all. Um, You know, everyone loves to get a letter. Um, Email them. Request, if you're a parent, that all of your leaders in your ward and stake are checked. So in in the UK, we call them DBS checked or disclosure checked. Ask that they've had relevant background checks. Just ask. And let us know what they say. We're asking if you perhaps are not a parent of a child or um, in youth or primary, but you contact and make the same request as a as a member of the ward who, is, um, who feels strongly about child protection. We, again, are going to put a set later. Um, a template later on our social media pages if you would like to use that. But again, we're asking, send an email, um, send a letter, um, do it formally so that you've got a a response. Um, Because we're going to be hopefully working with these bishops and state presidents who are going to be receiving those letters to help them understand the scale of what's going to be happening and what they can do. Now, we're also going to ask you to contact the agencies in your area that are sort of overseeing um, criminal record background checks. Now, in the UK, we're sort of focusing on what we're seeing in the UK. So we'll ask you to make your own parallels wherever you live. But what we're doing in the UK is we are contacting um, disclosure uh, agencies and the Criminal Records Bureau, the the people who are are the umbrella organisations and designed to keep families uh, and victims safe from abuse. We are going to ask that they look into the fact that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not, in our opinion, um, doing all it can to safeguard children and that we are deeply concerned that DBS and background checks are not happening at the moment. We're asking you have to do the same. And again, we will have uh, template letters available. Um, but feel free to go ahead. The, the, the clock starts now and we want to know how you get on. The third approach that we are taking um, is we are working, we are offering to work with bishops, state presidents, any interested parties, whoever you are, if you have an interest in Mormonism, we are offering um information packs and training about what you can do to safeguard against abuse. We have got some beautiful examples of um, best practice that actually some wards and stakes here in the UK are actually using and some wards and stakes around the world. We would like to see that rolled out completely. We would like to encourage um, encourage bishops and state presidents to be more aware of what safeguarding actually looks like and to understand why church systems as they currently stand are not effective in safeguarding against abuse. 
They are just not. Um, the training that currently exists, and we're going to be talking about that on next week's show where we have a panel where we come to sort of bring this all together and formally launch our project to, um, to approach safeguarding. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it all all then. Um, yeah, so we have a plan and we need your help and we really want to know how you get on with this. If um, we can push from uh, the grassroots level, we're going to push from the local stake area levels. We are pushing from a governmental level. Uh, we're asking our um, elected representatives to be involved in making sure that the church is the safest place it can possibly be for children. We know, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we know that that's what you want. We know that because we know that's what Jesus Christ wants. And we are offering our help as members, as concerned parties, and anyone who has an interest in this sphere, we're asking you to join us and uh, and help them to realise that we we need we need more um we have the best experts in the uk who are working with us to put all of this together and also um we're going to be workshopping some of this stuff with you all so please look out for what's going to be happening across our social media pages over the next while uh, so what we're going to do as we wrap up i'm going to come to you alana for any closing thoughts um and you know i know that you you've got it ready to go because you you feel passionate about this so yeah you want to share your closing thoughts girl so i uh, just i was sitting here thinking about and you kind of touched on it there at the end the part of the article that says we strive to follow the teachings of jesus christ who spoke powerfully and repeatedly about the precious value of children and condemned those who would mistreat them again in words it sounds great sounds wonderful that you're trying to follow jesus christ's mm. teaching yes put it into practice we're not seeing that you're saying yes. it, but we're not seeing it. So are all these people who are coming forward who are saying about the helpline being called, called and told not to report, are they just making it up? Are they, all these people just out to get the church? Hell no. It just infuriates me. They're so good at saying the words, but not putting it into practice. It's a doing word. Do it. You know... Um, I was sitting thinking as well, you know, I'd, I'd said to uh, in our group chat with Sarah uh, yesterday, you know, we were talking just about various things that are going to be happening and, you know, if we're going to get some pushback or whatever. And I said, well, I'm here with my sword, ready to fight. But as I'm sitting here, they say often in the church, put on your whole armour of God. Well, my whole armour of God is on and I'm doing what God wants and that's to protect our flipping children. Amen. Amen, sister. You preach it. Oh, my goodness. Can you see how much passion, expertise and drive is behind this project? Um, all... And I won't stay quiet, church. So you can try and stop me all you want. I will not stay quiet until I see these things in place within our churches. I want to honour the toll this takes, particularly on my Alana. I love you. I know that, that Alana pays a huge price, you know, when, when you're... You're in this this world of having to deal with this kind of trauma. And it's, you know, the, these things are raw and they're gritty and they hurt and they bring up a lot. Um, I want to honour those of you who are hearing this, who, you know, you're, you're, you're there with your, your own trauma. Um, please know 
that the whole reason why we're doing this is, is for you, is for the people who have not yet spoken up, who are considering, who may never speak up, um, but we are doing this to make change in your name to honour you. We know um, that we could, you know, that, that this can be fixed. This can be, as Sarah will tell you, and we'll talk about more in the panel, this could be fixed in 60 seconds. So That's easily. That's how quick it is. So easily. So easily. Um, require no massive policy change and very, very little money. Very little money, uh, which we know isn't a, an object anyway, um, <laughs> especially when it comes to the safety of our children. But yeah, at, while the, the church keeps at its forefront the mission of Jesus Christ and what Jesus would expect us to do, I honour that. Um, you know, I... I myself have chosen to have faith in Jesus Christ that is not the main reason why I do this the reason why Alana I Sarah are doing this is because we care about the people who have experienced abuse and who will continue to experience abuse we care about you and I think if we believe our own stuff that's kind of what um, Jesus would say is caring for him too. This is about you and your voices. Um, so if you are willing to help us in, in, our, in our goals and our aims to actually make grassroots and systemic change, we're pushing from above, we're pushing from the grassroots, and hopefully we'll be able to keep this momentum going because we cannot get bored of this in two weeks, people. We've been working all... Um, for such a long time since the start of our pod, since before the start of our podcast on you know getting to this point and we've we've reached the time it's it's time to take action i am so thankful for you guys who've been with us especially as uh, as we give you all no notice thank you for being with us thank you for being patient during my ranty moments um please join the rally if you can get to the rally please go. Um, know that we will be with you. Um, if you can't make the rally, the Facebook page, um, we will be sharing the event page. Um, we do have a sister event, which is pretty much tied into the main event, um, but you're going to be able to watch on Facebook Live. They will be streaming. So let's all be there in spirit. Um, those of us here in the UK, we will be staying up all night so that we can be with you um, because your voice matters. Um, I think just quickly local, as well, yeah. it's, it's important to say, I think Maven mentioned this last night on the, the, the podcast at the end, you know, this is one for Utah. There is no reason why in other parts of America, Canada, UK, anywhere, that we can't decide to do our own rallies to change the law. Obviously, as long as we're doing it within the laws of our own country um, in regards to protests or rallies or whatever you want to call it. But I think, you know, it's just... We need to, I think, I think it's like going a long way. I don't bring politics into it, but, you know, I was talking recently to someone about the cost of living going up here within our country and, you know, everything else and how we're allowing it because we just stay silent. So this is why it's so important for us. We need to do our part. We can sit here and podcast week after week yeah. talking about this, but if we don't put it into action, like we're calling the church to action, nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to change. We need to put it into action. We need to... I know it's so hard within a church system. I get that. I get that 
especially growing up, like I would never have dreamed I would be here where I'm about to write letters to my bishops, my state presidents calling for change, because as a woman, I've never had the opportunity to do that. But I guess as well, because it's something I feel so passionate about, but we need you guys. We need you guys to be talking to your friends within the church and try and help them to understand how important it is. And it's not an attack on the church that we just want to help and protect our little children, our youth, vulnerable, who are at risk if the church don't make these changes. We need to make the changes from within or out with, because obviously I don't attend church anymore, but we are the people who need to put it into action. We can't just keep talking about it and do nothing. We need to put it into action. So please, 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 only if it's not going to be detrimental to your mental health or anything, please, please put letters into your bishops, your wards, even if you don't attend anymore. I don't attend, but I'm still going to do it. There's mm. no reason why, even as a, a less, I don't even like saying less active member, but as a not attending member, that you can't put this information into your bishops and state presidents. It's top of my list that. as soon as I've got a minute to get the letter done and it's gone. It, mm. It's going. Members um, of the church, um, those those of you who are, and the church itself, um, you know the thing that you do whenever you have um, a, a, a dog or a cat and you do the little nose boop, you know, the little boop, boop. and it's, yeah. So I was walking past my youngest kid and I did a little boop and it was on their butt. And immediately they set a boundary and uh, we're like, that's not comfortable with that. And I apologized. And then they brought it back up again when I re-entered the room. Uh, so I sort of went out to go and do something. I come back and they had said, you know, you always talk to me about boundaries and that's a boundary. And I feel like even if, you know, it, it isn't, you know, hitting, it still has an effect on me. I don't like that. Please don't do that again. And do you know how I felt slightly embarrassed, slightly ashamed of myself because I should know better. Um, but oh my goodness, I've empowered. I see it's all about me. <laughs> I've I did that. Um, that child has been empowered <laughs> to be able to say that wasn't okay. And that, you know, I don't feel like they don't love me. I don't feel like they were being really rude and obnoxious. Um, you know, they could have been really upset and crying. And, uh, you know, it, you, your reaction, you're allowed to react how you want to react if someone isn't treating you or behaving in the way that you would expect. Now, we expect great things from a church that claims to be gold standard and and the things that is doing in this area i would like to just point out that when someone says we can do better or that you failed or that you messed up or you crossed the boundary can we not get defensive can it be okay that actually what they did is they raised their voice and they told us clearly and oh my goodness that's amazing look at you if, if we are a church who are aiming to progress and to become better, um, if you eat, hey, if you're a big fan of the we're going to become like God stuff here, that one's for you. You raise your voice. You stand up when things are wrong. If you see someone else being picked on, then you speak out. That's what we want, right? 
So we're doing it. So let's not get defensive. Let's not get upset. And let's know that whenever people are going to talk about this subject, they're going to be angry. They're going to be hurt. They're going to be sick. Um, what was it, one of the words that you used, Alana? Was it rage? You felt you like you were talking rage. about earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a word I use just as a throwaway, mm. like, because hate is a very strong word, but that is what I'm feeling right now. Hate towards a church that I loved at one point and gave my all to that aren't doing enough to protect the vulnerable. Um, a while back, we had, um, back in our early show, we had um, the, the wonderful human being who is Patrick Mason. And when Alana spoke up about how she was feeling, Patrick Mason cried. Um, then he would go on to say, you know, would, would go on to sort of share his thoughts. It wasn't at all about defending the church, defending his position. What he did was he set a brilliant example of mourning with, just just staying in that place of vulnerability. Listening. He, you, you were angry, you were hurt, you poured it all out and he stayed and he listened and he responded yep. in pure compassion. Can yep. we have more of that, please, church? Please, can we have more? Um, yeah. That's what we want. Okay, so uh, follow our social media channels for more information on what's happening over the next while. Please do um, know that you can uh, catch us on DonorBox. Please go to the rally. Please contact your elected representatives. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, our messages are off the hook right now, but we still want to hear from you. Keep messaging. And uh, with that, we will say goodnight and we bless your journeys. Good night, Good night everyone. everyone.